0: Uh, we need more of Your Spirit this morning, God. We do know and we we can feel that You're here, Lord, but we just want more, God. And I I uh, pray that we're not uh, hesitant to ask You for that. Yes, Lord, we know we're undeserving of it. We are. In every sense of the word, we do not deserve to be in your presence. But, Lord, you choose to reside with us. Lord, you choose to be with us. And this morning, we just say yes to you. And we ask for more of you to be in this room. And, Father, whatever is on our hearts to pray, whatever is on our hearts to speak out in this moment, Lord, I pray that we would do that. There's power in that, Father. There's power in that, Lord. So Lord, we we come to you asking for your administration for this morning. For your administration, for what you would have us do on this day. Since we've never been to church on this day. We've never been to church in this building on this day, Lord. You, this is a new day. And we want to rejoice and be glad in it. But Father, we don't want to miss you. We don't want to miss you at all. Lord I pray for just more I pray for you Opening up the eyes of our hearts Father to receive The word of God In your word it says that When it goes out When your word goes out It will never return more This morning I pray that it does not return more But God I just pray for more of you There's people in here Lord I know it I know it That are dealing with something Heavy And you are saying Let me carry it my yoke is easy, my burden is light he's asking you this morning to just let it go whatever you have on you just let it go this morning just let it go he's greater than that thing that you're dealing with he's greater than that circumstance that is uh, feeling as though it's taking over your life he's greater than that this morning Lord we want to glorify you by saying yes we know that you're greater we know that you're greater so, Lord, be here. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You guys come and sing. Hallelujah. Thank you for spending time with us on a Sunday morning. You guys could be anywhere else, but you've decided to be here with us. So, thank you for that. Um, just on a, a side note, um, which I think that you guys, you've heard me say this before. I don't really want to give the enemy too much recognition all right I'll spend most of my time talking about the Lord and not about what the enemy is doing amen we'll but it's interesting that once you get right on the path that you're supposed to be on walking straight to the cross straight to the father guess what happens in the spirit realm anyone it's not rhetorical <laughs> guess what happens in the spirit realm activity picks up amen? amen so I don't know if you can tell but I sound like I'm talking through a pillow alright because I'm dealing with a little bit of sickness that in and of itself um, ladies and gentlemen there's about six to seven individuals in our ESS family who are just getting waylaid by stuff and I'm not talking like just sniffles here and there people are just getting smacked and so what I want to do is just ask you guys to continue to pray for one another in that area I believe it's because we are going down the right path I believe that it's because we got momentum in the right direction and so the enemy doesn't like that Alright, kind of kicks his head up a little bit. So just on a side note, just be praying for the leadership, praying for families. Um, People are going through stuff. Amen? Amen. Good. Well again, welcome. Today is a day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Right? Man, you guys are quiet today. (laughs) Usually the second service is like, you guys are up and walking around and doing backflips. I haven't seen that yet, but hopefully I might one day. But we're going to continue in uh, the book of Nehemiah. Now, we are to the last chapter. We're going to open up chapter 13 today. Last chapter. Um, And has it not been fun for the past ten and a half months to go through Nehemiah? Yeah. Long time. You guys think ten and a half months is a long time? We took three years to go through the book of John, and even longer to go through the book of Acts. So you guys kind of get the... the fast track with Nehemiah. But we're coming to the end of this thing and I'll be able to communicate to you guys in the upcoming weeks where we're going to go after that. I'm not necessarily a topical preacher as much as we like preaching entire books at Not saying that topical preaching is bad. Um, It's just good to get the whole council. Get the verses above and below that one verse that you're trying to to, uh, let the Spirit kind of illuminate. Um, So we'll... Obviously, be jumping to some other book at a later time, but we're we're coming to a close here in chapter Nehemiah, uh, ch- uh, chapter thirteen of Nehemiah. Now, our text for today is going to be verses one through nine. I'm going to break it up into verses one through three. And we're going to see what's being said in there and then jump to uh, a story that relates to Nehemiah 13 in Numbers 22 through 24. Now, 22 through 24, I'm talking entire chapters. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to do the best I can to paraphrase it, but pull out some uh, some key points in there. So I just want to let you know what today is going to look like. Um, but if you if you've never read Nehemiah or know anything about Nehemiah, very quick recap Nehemiah is purposed by the Lord to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem now before Nehemiah's time, the exiles the the Israelites that came up out of Egypt, they were messing up Okay, God sent them into exile, they came out, they first built the altar, then they built the temple, and now they built the wall around Jerusalem. Now this wall is finished, and that's about halfway through the book of Nehemiah. Then you get to the back half of the book where it's all about God re his government in his people. reestablishing the way that he wants his people to, to live, to handle each other, to walk. Um, all of that is in the back half of Nehemiah. We're, we're getting more of that. Today, in these verses. And so, uh, I want to kind of begin with asking you guys a question. You know I'm a a question asker. You guys know that. But I'll say this, that there are many different ways the Lord speaks, but none more potent than the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And the reason that is is because it's the God-breathed Scripture. It's His Word. It comes from Him. Oftentimes we say, Lord, I need you to speak. Lord, I need you to say something right now. I just need I need a word. Well, yes. it's one thing to kind of just sit there and wait on it. But hey, you got words from Genesis to Revelation. Why don't you just open it up? He's gonna speak, he's gonna say something. So you've heard me say this before. Everything in the word, all of it, is relevant. Every single word, every single line, every single piece, little bit of punctuation that's in there, it's all relevant. It's all in there because He's trying to say something, He's trying to communicate with us. But here's the question. Is His Word, whether it be written or spoken? I I really want you guys to, to... Okay, this is a rhetorical one. I don't necessarily want everybody screaming answers back to me. All right. But is His Word and what He speaks enough for you? Is it enough? Is what he says the first time enough for you? Because, we'll we'll go down this track. Because if it's not, and I missed this in first service, I wish I would have caught this in first service. If it's not enough for you, we're calling God a liar. Straight up. We're basically saying to the Lord, what you have said to me is not sufficient. And therefore, you are not who you say you are. You are a liar. Now, that's like completely blasphemous, if you ask me. And I would never, as those words come out of my mouth and I'm preaching, as I cringe inside thinking of me saying to the Lord that you're a liar. But I'll tell you what. I'll be the first one to throw my hand up in the air and say that there are things that I do in my life that communicate just that. Because he said something, and the first time he said it, It was true. But I chose to say, "Lord, oh, maybe it might have been the pizza I ate last night. Might have been, you know, my own way of processing things. That is this me? Is it the? Is it because of my past friendships or relationships? Is it because I've been hurt by this person? Is it all of that gets thrown in there and it gets a vote? And before you know it, I'm I'm compromising what he said." And I'm communicating that, Lord, you're a liar. And that is so convicting to me. I hope that that's convicting to you guys this morning. Is His Word enough? And when He speaks it the first time, is it enough? Like I said before, every word has meaning and it has purpose. Do you want to know how to let His Word be enough for you? I do. Do you want to learn... How to let His Word be enough for you. Here's the deal. Remove yourself from the equation. Take self and pitch it out the window. (laughs) That's a tough one. Okay, Luke 9.23. If anyone wishes to come after me, he got to deny himself. That means every day. Not Lord, I did it in the morning. Why isn't this thing working out for me by noon? (laughs) Alright? Remove yourself from the equation. You want to continue with the same... I'm struggling to hear his voice narrative. <clears throat> uh, insert yourself into the equation. You, you still want to struggle with hearing him? Just put yourself back in the equation. Alright? Now, it's one thing to struggle because you can't hear him. But it's another thing to go through circumstances knowing that is His will that you walk through your current circumstance. And how do you know that? Because He spoke to you. And you believed His word the first time He said it. Does that make sense? You guys are with me this morning? Good. Good. There you go. You guys are waking up just a little bit. I like it. But let me read just the first three verses here. The Lord is saying something to the people and He's saying it for a reason. Because He has their best interests in mind. Do you realize that when the Lord speaks to you, He's speaking to you according to the fact that He has your best interest in mind? Or is that something that you're struggling to believe? If you're struggling to believe it, remove yourself from the equation. And then you might be able to see it in a little different light. A better light. You tracking with me on that? Alright. Let your hope... Be in His Word. I didn't get to the title of this message till the end of the message in first service, but it says right there, I put my hope in your Word. Nothing else. That what comes from His mouth is first and foremost in your life. We'll get to Luke 14, 26 later, um, which speaks right to that when it comes to The closest relationships in your life taking precedent over your relationship with the Lord. Those should be back flipped. It should be the Lord and the relationship that you have with Him should be the number one thing and His Word should be the number one thing in your life that you follow. Amen? Amen. Come on now. I'm going to get you all to talk to me today. (laughs) Let me read this right quick. Uh, this is after the dedication of the wall. They're still celebrating, alright? And the reason why we stay, say still celebrating is because it opens up with on that day. And it's presumed that it's the same day as the dedication of the wall that you see in 12, uh, Nehemiah 12, chapter 27. But it says this. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, on that day, they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people... And there was found, written in it, that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. Because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel." Now, you read in that and it's like, you kind of apply modern day thinking to it. And when I say modern day thinking, I mean this. We live in this world today where everyone is just like, hey, let's love everything. Let's just love it all. Love wins. Yes, love wins when you know where love comes from. When it comes from the Father. If you love everything, you have no lane, you have no structure you just accept everything and there is no moral compass because it's all in the name of loving everyone right well we read this and we kind of apply that modern day thinking to it and we say well God's a jerk <laughs> what is he's, he's uh, excluding all the, the foreigners, like that's not, that doesn't sound like him well, once we get into understanding who the Ammonite people are, and the Moabites are and who this character Balaam is, I'll say it again he speaks because he has your best interests in mind do you think that this word here verses 1 through 3 is to alienate people and to come from a, uh, um, I don't know how else to say it because I used the word earlier, come from a God who's just trying to be a jerk that is not it he's got the Israelites best interests in mind and I cannot drive that point home enough. He has yours. Your best interest in mind when he speaks to you. Are you listening? Like this morning, ladies and gentlemen, are you listening? <laughs> yes. I mean, not to me, but to God. Yes. Amen? Amen? I hope this is getting to you. Yes. Yes. So first we've got to understand, why is he saying that the Ammonites and the Moabites and this dude Balaam aren't really accepted? They're, they're considered foreigners. I'll say this before I read these stories. They're not considered foreigners because of the blood running through their veins. They're considered foreigners because of the way that they live their life. Does that make sense? And I'll get to that as as we um, open up who and where these people are from. Now, does everybody know who Abraham is? Okay? Yes. Please, I hope that you do. (laughs) It's like a main one next to Jesus, (laughs) alright? Abraham, before his name was Abraham, his name was Abram. Alright, now if you see in Genesis chapter 13, Abram has a nephew named Lot. Now, Lot and Abram, they have the same profession. They do the same thing. They got a whole bunch of livestock, shepherds. They got all kinds of stuff. You can imagine as you go in and inhabit a certain area that you soak up the resources in that area, right? Well, Lot has a lot of the same thing that Abram has a lot of. So Abram comes to Lot and he just says, Look man, it ain't really working out for us to be together doing this whole thing. So why don't, why don't you go to the left and take everything that, that, you can, that your eyes can see. And I'll go to the right and take everything that my eyes uh, can see. And so they do that and they separate. Well, the story gets picked back up in chapter 19. Now, Lot ends up settling in the city of Sodom. We know kind of the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, don't we? The Lord just wiped those two cities out for some serious sexual sin. Like they were, it was just painted everywhere, alright? That's a visual for you. But here's what I'm saying. Here's the next part of the story. Lot escapes before Sodom is destroyed By way of an angel saying Hey look, this is what's about to happen You need to get out He gets out with his two daughters And they are hiding in a cave um, Somewhere in the mountains I'm assuming Don't know the details of that But here's what happens About halfway through chapter 19 Both of his daughters get the bright idea They're they're afraid that they won't be able to continue their father's name Now I'm going to let you know This is a very incestuous story and it's, it's quite disgusting. They get their father drunk. And they both sleep with their father. And they both conceive. All on the premise that they're trying to preserve their name. Now number one, if God has got over everything, he's going to take care of it. Right? But they took matters into their own hands. From the eldest daughter came the Moab, the Moab nation, the nation of Moab. Um, from the youngest came the nation of the Ammonites. Um, from, uh, she had a, a son named Ben-Ami, I think is, that's how you pronounce his name. But from those two tribes, it wasn't necessarily that how they started that excludes them and makes them foreigners. The Ammonites and the Moabites were known to always rise up against the Israelites and to worship other gods. Now see, that's a big one. They didn't say, you know what, regardless of my circumstance and how I started, I know this to be God and I'm going to follow Him. They said, I know that to be God and I'm going to run the opposite direction. That's what makes them foreigners. Now, you may be thinking, uh, three, four weeks ago I preached on, um, it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you finish. The Lord wants you to rise up, step in and finish well, as I run into my illustrious little stand here. Well, I brought up the name Perez. Now, Perez came from an illegitimate birth. But the difference between the Ammonites and Moabites and Perez, Perez followed the Lord no matter what. His life showed that he didn't make himself a foreigner. He didn't accept other gods as God. But the Moabites, it was habitual. It was a way of living. So that's what makes them foreigners. You guys with me this morning? So I'll say it again. The Lord has your best interests in mind. And he speaks because... He wants you to succeed and he doesn't want you to fail. Amen. Is his word enough for you? Amen. I hope you can answer that question by the end of this, yes. this sermon. Yes. 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 Come on now. Yes. So then we get to this dude named Balaam. And it says here, <coughs> excuse me, I'll try not to do that, into the microphone says, those two groups of people should not enter the assembly of God because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water. Now that means, <clears throat> as the Israelites were coming up out of Egypt and the Lord brought them out of um, bondage, they get to the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River, everybody knows the story about crossing the Jordan. They send spies over, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's also giants in the land. Let me say this to you. When the Lord brings you to an obstacle, and then He brings you past that obstacle, crossing the Jordan, when they got into uh, the land, the promised land, They still had to conquer 32 kings. So here's what I'm saying. When the Lord delivers you from something, I'm not saying that it's just one thing after the other. But you still got to go to war. You still got to strap up. You still got to be ready to fight. Because in the promised land, He's going to continue to grow you. He's going to continue to stretch you. But those people didn't help the Israelites when they got to Uh, the promised land, pretty much. And that's a no-no in God's eyes. So we see that. And then it also says, uh, against, uh, excuse me, with bread and water, but hired, they did something else, Balaam, against them to curse them. Now the story of this dude, and I hope I'm not lulling you to sleep this morning, because this is just history. It's good stuff to know that uh, where this... Uh, relates to back in the word but this guy Balaam he's a prophet he hears God's voice he hears God's voice but he's not spoken of as a false prophet as much as his heart is wicked and if i had time to get into the all of the story of who this guy was you would you would understand that he wraps himself in christian methodology Does that sound, does that make sense when I say that? Christian methodology, methodology, doing things in a Christian way, but his heart is nowhere near the Father. I will do it because God said, but I'll go in the back door and kind of get what I want. And I'll explain that through this story. That's who this guy is. He's spoken of, he's spoken against by Jesus himself in the New Testament. Alright? So the story of this guy is in... Numbers 22 through 24. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there's a king who is a Moab king. King of Moab. Moabite king. And his name is Balak. Now Balak hears of the Israelites conquering all of these kings. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm next. I don't want to be one of those kings who gets waylaid by the God of these people. So he goes and he gets Balaam, who's a prophet, and says, I know you hear from the Lord. Can you curse the Israelites? Help me out with this because I don't want to get destroyed. Now, Balaam has a good response. He really does. And his response is that I have to go and ask the Lord about it. Now the way Balak proceeds to pursue Balaam is he sends some officials, some representation to him saying, can you do this for me? And then in his response he says, i got to go ask the Lord. He tells him, um, picking it up in verse 8 of chapter 22, it says, spend the night here and I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Now here it is. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me, behold, there is a people who come out of Egypt and they cover the surface of the land. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. Here's what God said. Here's what he said. God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. That's pretty clear. Right? Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Alright. So, verse 13, Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. The leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. That seems like a good response. That he took what the Lord said... Repeated it back to these these guys. And they repeated it back to Balak. I kind of opened up this message today. Saying that as soon as you do what God is asking you to do. You become a threat to the kingdom of, of hell. The enemy does not want you anywhere near a right relationship with Christ. So guess what Balak does? He ups the enemy. Alright. He ups the ante in a very specific way which causes Balaam in his heart to respond in a not so good way. So let's read this, verse 15. Balak, excuse me, then Balak again sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. They came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, like that means anything, (laughs) Let nothing, I beg you, hinder you, Uh, from coming to me. For I will indeed, here it is, honor you richly. And I will do whatever you say to me. Please come then curse this people for me. Balaam replied to the servants of Balak. Though Balak were to give me his full house of silver and gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of my Lord. Now please... You also stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. Now, again, you're thinking, uh, he listened, he repeated what God said. But the last part of what I just got done reading, Balak sends word that, look, man, I'm going to compensate you greatly, and it's going to look good. As good as good can look. And it causes him to say something that's very wrapped in Christianese, Christian language, God language. I can't do anything that my Lord doesn't tell me to do or say anything that my Lord doesn't tell me to to say. But what did he already say? He said, don't go. Do not go with him. So what he does is he says, let me go back and ask God if there's anything else that he would like for me to say. You guys catching that? All right. Now, more of it gets unraveled here. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only with the word which I speak to you shall you do. So Balaam arose in the morning... And saddled his donkey, great story with the donkey later on, and went with the leaders of Moab. Again, reading this and being like, doesn't God agree with this right now? Kind of sounds like he does. Read the very next verse. But God was angry because he was going. So how do we connect all of that? God says, don't go. Balaam comes back after being shown that, you know, he's going to be honored greatly. And then the Lord actually says, look, why don't you go? But then reveals his true heart, that he was angry with him, that he was going. Now ladies and gentlemen, have you ever prayed for something so much, finally got it and then realized God wasn't in that thing? Mm-hmm. See, that's what's happening here. The Lord is allowing Balaam to go through this just to show him, look, I'm not in this. You're being persuaded here by something that is bringing you away from uh let me say it differently. You're, you're 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 compromising because of something that looks good. Now, I'm not trying to say don't ask God to confirm something because He will confirm what He says all day long. Okay, I'm not saying that, but when the motivation behind going in. Asking him again After he's already said something That is confirmed in his word Ladies and gentlemen He's looking at the motivation Behind Balaam's heart What's the motivation behind your heart? Is his word enough for you? Yes Because I tell you what When he answers you He's got your best interest in mind You struggling with me this morning? Yeah. Amen Alright so here's, here's what transpires after this. He lets Balaam go. And I want to get through this so I can get back to actually like reading more scripture. And you guys aren't just listening to me paraphrase scripture. <laughs> um, he gets on his donkey. all right. And what happens is, as he's making his way to King Balak on this donkey. The Lord sends an angel. And the donkey's eyes are opened up. To the Lord's angel. Basically the angel of death. Standing in front of him. And the donkey just hard left. Just, I'm going this way. And Balaam's like, what is going on? Okay, that happens three times. All three times, Balaam is whacking the crap out of this donkey. (laughs) When I say funny story about the donkey, (laughs) the Lord actually opens the mouth of the donkey. So the donkey speaks to Balaam and says, Master, why, why have you hit me these three times? Now, I don't necessarily think that the weird thing about the story is that the donkey is speaking. I think it's that Balaam responded to the donkey. <laughs> to me, if there's animals talking. I'm like running the other direction. I don't care what's happening. All right. So that response is in verse 30. The donkey said to Balaam. Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. Now, right up before that, Balaam's response to the donkey was, uh, Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me. If there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. And then the donkey responds with, why? I have I've never basically forsaken you. Now the imagery that's getting created here, ladies and gentlemen, is unbelievable. That that which this, this guy is riding on is saving him from disaster because he can't see it. Now, let me ask you this question. Is his word enough for you to the point where you ride on that? And that, in and of itself, is the only thing that will ever save you from disaster? Come on now. That is something else to me. Now, later on in the story, the Lord opens up Balaam's eyes. And he sees the angel. And he actually repents. But can you understand that if you don't stand and ride on the Word of God, and have hope in His Word, and put your hope in His Word, then you... Sure as day. We'll head straight for disaster. Look back at your life. And any time that you haven't... uh, How do I say this? You haven't done it the way God asked you to do. Did it turn out very well? Most of the times when He says, I want you to do it my way, is when you you remove yourself from the equation. See how all this is coming back? It's good stuff. Later on in the story, His eyes are opened... And he has a conversation with the angel. And it starts off in verse 32. I'm just going to read it. Verse 32 through 35. Then we'll get back to some other stuff here. It says, The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw and turned aside from me those three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. And I love the the but right here. It says, basically, no, I'm going to use you. You made this decision. So I'm going to take you through this one. It says, but the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men. But you shall speak only the word which I tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. everything works out for the good of those who love Jesus sometimes the Lord will give us the very thing we're praying for to show us that he's not in it and then the majority of the time he gets his testimony out of us let me say this all the time he gets his testimony out of us in the situation he said to Balaam you know what you made this decision thanks for the repentance it's good I don't want to make light of that but now I'm going to use you And if you read the rest of the story, Balaam ends up not cursing the Israelites, but blessing them a total of seven times. That's a good holy number, alright? The Lord uses it and Balak gets real frustrated. And every time he takes Balaam to a different geographical location, he says, maybe God will say something different here. No, I need you to bless him, not curse him. Oh, maybe I'll take you over here. No, I'm saying he's going to bless him, not curse him. Let me say this to you. You are where you are, no matter where you are. You are where you are, no matter where you are. Changing your geographical location isn't going to allow you to hear God's voice any more or any less. He's asking you, and I love this. Came on, this, came upon this one in first service. He's asking you to change your elevation. You know what that means? He's asking you to get on your knees. He's asking you to get in the Word. He's not saying move right or left. He says, "I need you to get low." That's the only way that my Word will become more clear to you. Are you with me this morning, church? Yeah, there's so much in this story, I wish I could read the whole thing, but it's three chapters long, I'm not going to do that. And bore you guys to sleep with all of that. But let's turn back to Nehemiah. that uh, kind of touched on it in the announcements. And he said that there's something about right relationship with the Lord. That the purpose of Of him speaking is not only because he has your best interests in mind. But it's not just because he's trying to get you to do what he wants you to do. It's because he wants you to have a right relationship with him. Do we understand that? As a result of a right relationship, you make kingdom decisions. You don't make worldly decisions. You make decisions that remove yourself from the equation. You don't make decisions where you insert yourself the whole time. Chuckle with me. Yeah? See, I'll I'm, I'm just, after every sentence, I'll just say amen. Just to get y'all to talk. Yeah. My goodness. So here we got verses 4 through 9. And it starts off basically labeling Tobiah as a foreigner now do you guys remember some of the messages in the past months who Tobiah is and how much oppression he brought against Nehemiah while he was building his wall Tobiah Sambalot and the boys were the ones who were always trying to raise hell pretty much and say Nehemiah you're crazy they're the ones who kind of led the revolt against the building of the wall by way of emotional Spiritual, physical attack, all of that. So here's what happens. Tobiah is also an Ammonite. He's one of those foreigners. He comes from that tribe, alright? Here's verse 4. It says, Now prior to this, Eliashim, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God, pretty distinguished position, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him, where formerly they put the grain offering, the frankincense, the utensils, the tithes of grain, wine and oil, prescribed for the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. But during... oh Okay, let me just stop right there real quick. So, do we understand what's going on? This very high-ranking official in the church, it's kind of like saying... I'm, he's not in here, so I can use him. Beck, alright? Just decides he's going to clear out one of these rooms back here and let somebody who has not been so good to the church set up shop. Now, don't go looking at Beck weird after this. okay? I'll just use him as an example. But I'm saying that's what this guy did. He said, because I'm related to this guy, i got to help him out. And I'm going to go against what was said by the Lord to not let any Ammonite or Moabite be a part of the assembly because of where they come from because of the fact that their entire heritage is wrapped around running the opposite direction from God worshipping other idols worshipping other gods and Tobiah not to mention has the track record for coming up against Nehemiah I mean come on how can it be more clear but he says you know what I'm going to make this room that's for God I'm going to give it to this guy So we see that in the scripture. Verse 6, it says, But during all the time I was not in Jerusalem, for in in I, meaning uh, Nehemiah, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked... Leave from the king and came to Jerusalem and learned about the evil that Eliezer had done with Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. Hmm. It was very displeasing to me, so I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Pretty good reaction. Then I gave an order and they cleansed the rooms and returned the utensils of the house of God with the grain offerings. And the frankincense. You know, oftentimes I, I, I preach and I get things prepared to serve to you guys, to say, here's the word of God. It's not my job to feed you. It's your job to feed yourself. It's your job to, to eat this stuff. In the middle of me preaching, I get convicted by something. And this this just hit me that For Nehemiah to come back and see that, and to be honest with you, have enough cojones to say something about it, is speaking to me at the moment. That as a leader, when he comes back and he sees things aren't necessarily the way that they're supposed to be, to not compromise, and to not say, oh well, it's okay. He's been in there for a while, all of his stuff is set up, it'd be a lot for Tobiah to move out of that room, so we'll just kind of let him hang out. In the same regard, even from a physics standpoint, when you remove Earth or remove water from water, what fills in something? Okay, whether it's air, something of a molecular structure fills in that that gap. It's just that's how it works in this world. If you remove Christ from your life, what do you think will fill it? That hole. If it's not Him, ladies and gentlemen, it is something and anything that isn't Jesus Christ will fall short of the glory of God Mm -hmm. so Nehemiah comes back Mm -hmm. and he he's a leader he leads when we compromise when the word is not enough for us we begin to remove Christ from the throne of our lives and guess what takes place I don't know Something that's not Christ. (laughs) And therefore did not die on a cross for me. And save me from my own crap. What I'm saying is that God you're a liar. When I let something else sit up there. Yes. Are you with me this morning? That's why what he says in these verses, he's saying because he has your best interests in mind, you're gonna walk out of here repeating that and being like, My goodness, why can't I stop saying that? Well, because Pastor beat it into the ground. Seriously. And that brings us to two verses, Luke fourteen twenty-six and John fifteen, seven and eight. Luke fourteen twenty-six says, If anyone wants to be my disciple, he has to hate mother, father, sister, brother wife and children even his own life now the translation of that word hate is not to maliciously go after somebody with um, an an intent to harm if you want to say that I've preached on this before I've said this before but it just means to love less okay Okay. Eliashem loved his blood relation more than his relationship with Christ and it caused him to compromise the Lord is saying if you want to follow me Every relationship in your life cannot take precedent over my relationship with you because I'm working on you. I'm trying to bring you into right relationship with me. How can I do that when somebody else's word is more important than my word? You guys see that? Then you got John 15, 7 and 8 where it talks about the actual word of God. And it says, if I abide in if you, excuse me, if you abide in me, now what does that word abide mean? It means abode. It means home. Think about your home. We use this in our discipleship training. Think about your home. It's where you return to every single day. I don't return to this little house over here on Mondays. On Tuesdays, I'm in 80524. Which is that way And then 80528 Some house over there On Wednesdays You know I return to the same place Every single day Do you Return To the Lord In every circumstance Every breath Every minute Of every day Mm -hmm. Every day There is no on and off switch I'm saying Are you in it Or are you not Because when you're not Something else will be Something else will take the place Of Christ in your life But the next part of the verse says this It says The beginning of it If you abide in me and my words The thing you got in front of you Abide in you Make their home in you You're riding On that word And nothing else matters to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish. Think about that. You can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, people, uh, by this my Father is glorified that you will prove to be my disciple and bear much fruit. I messed up the last part of that verse, but it's okay. You guys get the gist of it. Think about that. As I am in right relationship with the Lord, it fine-tunes the way that I think, it fine-tunes the way that I ask questions, it fine-tunes the way that I speak. Why? Because I'm speaking through the lens of the God-breathed scripture, the Word of God. Is His Word enough for you? Because I don't want us to call Him a liar. Is this sinking in this morning? Yes. yes. Who? I hope it is. I hope it is. You know, I, I believe that there's people in here this morning who have, uh, how do I say this? 95% committal to the Father. I'll tell you what I got 100% committal Some areas And even as that comes out of my mouth I'm like bro There's areas of your life You're 87% And rising Okay Getting better Here's what Is interesting Rat poison Is 95% good food for the rat It's only 5% that kills it When we Fail Literally, to ride on Scripture and let it take us to the left if it needs to take us to the left. And let it take us to the right so it keeps us from danger and keeps us from falling into that pit. If we don't do that, that 5%, I'm telling you, it's going to get us. This morning, I want to remove the 5%. Is there anybody in here who wants to remove the 5%? Yes. 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 Yep. Yeah. I will say if you didn't say yes I might need to ask the question again okay I think all of us in here need that 5% removed so that we can be in right relationship with the Father and that is his goal I don't know what that's going to look like this afternoon this, uh, well this afternoon don't get scared I'm not going to keep you here for hours <laughs> but as the word goes out it never returns void I hope there's a conviction in you enough that if we open up the altar this morning and you're saying, Lord, take the last 5%, show me what it is that I'm holding on to, white-knuckling, and just take it. Now, if that's in you to do, we're might probably going to have a time to respond to that this morning. Um, so let's, uh, let's have our worship team come back up here. And get prepared for our offering and I think that's that's what we're going to do it's one thing to show up to church hear the word and you, know, you guys hear me say this every single Sunday man what I like about Billy Graham is that he preaches the same message his entire life millions of people are getting saved You guys are going to be like, Man, my pastor, he talks about five or six different things, and that's about it. But I hope this isn't just Sunday morning for you. That this is not a Sunday morning fill-up. That you walk away from Jesus Christ Fellowship transformed this morning. That can happen for you. Sometimes that's scary. Sometimes that's, uh, yeah, uncomfortable. But you, please tell me in Scripture where the Lord says, "Let it, I'll make it comfortable for you. It's not in there. It's not in there. Uh, let's let's come up here, Father. We just we thank you for the the opportunity to hear your word, the opportunity to fellowship, the opportunity to worship, the opportunity to pray. the opportunity to give, the opportunity to be around one another. It's all that, just an opportunity. And Lord, we want to make the most of And so this morning, Father, as we prepare for our offering, I pray that you prepare our hearts to give joyfully, just like your word says. And understand that all of uh, every cent that is in somebody's hand or possession or laying on the ground somewhere, it's all yours. Father, it's all yours. And we take your word for it. Because your word is enough, so this morning I just pray that you would bless what gets put in there God and uh, we can use that to to continue your work and keep the lights on so we we thank you Father, we love you in Jesus name. amen go ahead and pass that. so we might do this by way of uh, let me see let me say this. Can I get Jerry up here? Alec, you can come up here. You guys kind of know how we do. Beck, come up here. Tony, please. What we're going to be praying for here is that 5% to be gone. And what I'm bringing these guys up here for is that it doesn't mean that you have to be called to any one of these specific men. But if you want prayer in your life for the Lord to just break that last five that last one that last half percent that's what these men are going to be praying for and I got a bunch of them up here just because I want to get everybody so here's what we're going to do I'm going to have Jared keep playing but if that's you I want you to respond this morning please don't miss out on this and he's stirring up your spirit to say God I just want to let it go I just want let it go. And now's the time. Now's the time. So let me just pray for this time. Real quick. Father, I, I know that it's the, you're the only one, Lord, that can change somebody's heart. There's no amount of preaching. There's no amount of motivational speaking. There's no amount of talking to somebody face-to-face or on the phone or through email that can change anyone's heart. Father, you're the one who does that. So this morning, I pray that the Word is doing just that. It's changing our hearts. Father, bringing us to a place where we want to just give up. And that's a good thing. Give you complete control and get rid of the 5% because we put our hope in your Word. So Lord, I pray that you would stir it up. And Father, we would take advantage of this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just